That's delicious. About to get started. Lay down. Lay down, puppy. Okay. I have a concoction of uh, juice of a lime, tequila, ice, and water. The water is to keep my throat and mouth moistened. The lime, I heard uh, famous trailer voiceover man Don LaFontaine told me uh, that you want to you wanna have lime. It makes your voice sound crisp and smooth when you uh, record uh, vocal audio. And uh, tequila and water. The, and um, the tequila is in there to uh, feed my addiction to alcohol. So this, this is actually a very tasty beverage. Take one more sip. Put my phone to silent mode. And here we go. <clears throat> Three, two, and one. Hello, and welcome to the Skeleton Factory Podcast, episode eight. This is Adam coming to you from Austin, Texas. And today, the topic is, what is the best year for movies in the decade of the 1990s? So, that is quite the mountain of information to get through so take notes and pack a lunch uh, I will say this is my personal list of my it's a top 10 really my top 10 uh, best years of movies in the 1990s okay so we're gonna go through every year of that decade and um, we're going to figure out what is the best one and what is the worst one and which ones in the middle are just like, uh, okay. Um, again, this is my list. And um, I want to give you a quote from Mark Twain before I move forward. Um I actually can't stand when people say moving forward. Uh, you know what? Moving forward. What's the, I can't stand that. That's like weird California tech people talk. It's like something data from TNG would, would say. And if you don't know who data is, and if you don't know what TNG is, then uh, I have no hope for you. Quote from Mark Twain. Never argue with stupid people. They will drag you down to their level and beat you with experience. End of quote. That being said, let me get into the criteria of how I judge what is the Worst year in film in the 90s. And which year is the best and everything in between. So, my criteria. Number one, quality and rewatchability. 
just because a movie is um, casted with huge celebrities and it took a lot of money to make and it was advertised everywhere. It doesn't move the needle for me. Sometimes it does. Some movies are sort of ob- objectively good. You know, some movies just have so much money and talent and shit thrown at it that it's actually like, wow, that's an impressive movie. I keep that in, I I, I mix that into my decision-making process, but it is really, uh, what is, what is the level of quality? And more importantly, what is the level of rewatchability something has? Because growing up in the nineties, some, if you, I had cable every, if you grew up in the nineties, you had basic cable on television. So you had a finite amount of number of channels that you can watch and a lot of cable channels and movie channels just replayed the same movies over and over and over again. Every day. You'd go on there and they would be playing the same fucking, you know, two or three movies over and over again for weeks at a time. And you would just sit there and watch them because you didn't have any other choice. You know, unless you had some sort of um, you know, extensive movie collection at your home. Or if you just went to the video store all the time. But, you know, if you're a youngin and maybe a video store is not within walking distance or you can't, uh, or in my case, your parents just worked constantly and the video store was too fucking far, you had to, like, get videos when you could because, you know, mom and dad were working all the time. So you just had to be entertained with what was on TV. So a lot of these movies I watched many, 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 many times. And um, some of them I watched and I just I didn't even really like. I just watched it because it was on. But a lot of these I really do like. So criteria number one. So criteria number one is quality and rewatchability. The second, the second thing I look at um, is genre variety. So every year may have, um, you know, it may be very heavy with things like comedies or dramas or whatnot, but I, you know, in making this list, you have to take into consideration genre variety. At least my, at least I do, you know, I need to have a certain amount of action films. I need to have a certain amount of sci-fi. I need to have a certain amount of comedy. I need to have maybe a documentary or two sprinkled in there, you know, and that uh, that's important to me. And third, my third uh, criteria, it would be quantity. Now, a large quantity of movies makes for a good year, but only if criteria one and two are addressed first. You can have a quantity of you can have a very large quantity of movies made in a single year, but uh, they're mostly shit, and um, they don't have good quality. They don't have rewatchability, and you know the genre variety may or may not be there. So, quantity goes third, 
but quantity is only considered after quality, rewatchability, and genre variety um, have been examined first. So that's my criteria for this list. Also, I I I need to put my my put my head into a mind space. Uh, I need to have a uh, I had to create a a mind space for this. So, you know, obviously there's going to be a lot of nostalgia for movies. And I try to watch as many of these movies that maybe I had fuzzy feelings for as a youngin. But then you watch now and it's like, "Ah, that's still an okay movie, but it's not as good as I remember because that's just how nostalgia works. Your nostalgia for something, you know, doesn't mean that it's good as you know with the past with the passage of time. Case in point, I uh, watched The Crow last night, and when The Crow came out, I was uh, I liked it a lot. I enjoyed The Crow very much, and then upon watching it. As uh, an elderly man, I realized, like, wow, there are some problems with the crow, uh, special effects wise. Um, I don't know. There's some kind of like awkward, weird moments that I, I don't know. I don't know if I just ignored or, I don't know. It just flew over my head as a as a as a young person, but um. And also, and not to speak ill of the dead, but Brandon Lee's acting in The Crow, um, let's say, it wasn't as good as I remembered. Okay? Not that I have a problem with Brandon Lee, but, um, I mean, this movie came out in 1994. You know, I was barely, I wasn't even a teenager yet. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, but, you know, the crow is still not that bad, but we'll, we'll get to, we'll get to that. Um, so I, I, I try to, I try to think of like, okay, how can I comb through these movies in an efficient way? And I thought, okay got to go through the you know the the three criteria first of all quality rewatchability uh genre variety and quantity and then i was like okay well what if i was in a situation sort of like if you were stranded on a deserted island situation you can only watch one year of movies why would that ever be a scenario that comes to to be i don't i don't know i don't know but let's say uh, you you can only choose one year of films or even something maybe a little more familiar to you. Uh, we did go through a pandemic. And depending on which state you lived in, you may have been just trapped indoors for weeks, months at a time. Now imagine if you had to relive 2020. Now picture that. Picture reliving 2020 because that's what you want to do, Right. Reimagine the most fucked up year of your life. Mine wasn't actually that fucked up. My 2020 was actually pretty sweet. I spent it in the woods in Northern California. Fucking trout fishing on Pinecrest Lake. It was sensational. But imagine you're, you, you, you have to relive 2020 and you're, and you're, 
going to be locked in sitting there watching movies. Now, which you can only pick one year worth of movies to watch. What year do you pick? Again, I think my list of criteria is very valid in those types of scenarios. So uh, let's get into it. First of all, I want to get into real quick uh, movies I've seen recently. Um, recently, besides The Crow, which I enjoyed. It almost turned into a Mystery Science Theater 3000 type of situation where we just kind of made fun of the movie a little bit. But, you know, as a as a kind of middle-of-the-road action, gothy fan- fantasy comic book movie with Nine Inch Nails and the Stone Temple Pilots and the soundtrack, uh, it was fine. Whatever. It was, it was a fine way to burn off two hours. Um, I also watched recently Night House, and I heard good things about Night House. I saw the trailer and thought it looked okay. It was, I mean, the trailer was good enough for me to actually watch it. And I found Night House to be kind of lame, actually. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. And this is just a this is just uh this is just me. Um so, you know, you can take it for what it is. I am actually not a fan of haunted house movies in gen- in general. I mean, there's some that I think are all right, but for the most part, the idea of that that your house is haunted or it's possessed by a ghost of Whatever, like, I think it's dumb and hokey. You know, I just, I don't, I'm not into haunted house movies. Like, the con, all the Conjuring movies, the fuck out of here. I'm just not even interested at all. Not even interested. Um, I didn't know that this was going to be a haunted, like, a haunted house movie. There's actually multiple houses in this movie. But, um, I don't know, like, you know, it kind of had my attention for like the first, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes, something like that. You know, it, it, it had themes that I actually kind of liked in the beginning of it. There was a woman who was a widow. Her husband um, built this beautiful house on a lake and one day took a rowboat into the middle of the lake and and shot himself. Committed suicide. So the movie picks up like kind of like right after um she's freshly widowed and you know there's like scenes with um the widow actually you know trying to socialize, hang out with her friends and be very forthcoming about what was going on with her and her husband, you know, her friends asked, like, did he leave a suicide note? Things like that. And it, it was very, like, those scenes I found interesting. Because you really started to kind of get into a character and somebody who's gone through something terrible and um, how they're dealing with it. But then it became, like, a ghost story. And I just kind of checked out from there. 
So re- really the last like 45 minutes of the movie, I wasn't really paying attention. <laughs> so, um, you know, but I mean the whole beginning part with uh, the husband killing himself and that was interesting to me because my uh, stepfather, uh, he passed away and you know, I had to go through and still, uh, I'm going through a sort of, you know, my mother's a widow now and, you know, and you know, everything that goes with that. So I, I, you know, I, I kind of related to the movie a little bit in that first part, but then they just kind of like, you know, got lost in the woods with this, like, you know, my house is haunted nonsense. Also, I watched, um, I'm going to just call it Titane. It might be Titane, however it's pronounced. I'm just going to call it Titane because it gives me an excuse to say tit. And I don't usually get to say that on a regular basis. Titane was advertised. um, It received the prestigious Cannes Film Festival Palme d'Or. And the Palme d'Or is the highest prize awarded at Cannes Film Festival. Okay. This is an award. This award has been given out every year for over 60 years. Um, actually, yeah. I guess it was, it's, yeah, it's been even longer than that. But basically, it's the highest prize of. Um, that the that con gives okay and that's what they really that's what this movie uh titane just they really they put that in all their advertising all their trailers i don't know who i don't know it's in the trailer you can if you haven't seen it already there's somewhere in the trailer someone was quoted saying it's like the most fucked up movie ever made which is like the most pedestrian fucking pull quote you can possibly come up with because spoilers it's not the most fucked up movie ever made it's it's the most deceiving film ever made it's it's uh just boring crap uh no (laughs) no the movie it's from the director of the movie raw which i also was not a fan of it's uh, movies like Raw, movies like Tatane, um, this is just my opinion. Uh, it falls into this era we live in now where it's more style over substance. Like, visually, movies can... Um, there's so many ways a movie could look really good nowadays and have no story. Like, when I, th- like, when I was done watching Tatane, I thought to myself, like, okay, somebody had to write this into a screenplay. Someone had to put this in script form and, like, sell a company on, like, I want to make this film. Read this script. I want to make this film. And someone read it and was like, yeah, let's make this. But when you watch the movie, you're like, was there a script? Like, it seems like there was, like, maybe... It's like maybe three or four pages of a script, and then they just improvised everything else because um, it's a movie that seems to have a story, and then it just doesn't. It kind of makes you feel like there's a story, and then there's just no story at all whatsoever. 
kind of disappointed. When I saw the trailer, I was like, I feel like I'm being tricked into watching this movie. It looks like a, I don't know. I don't know. It, it like it, like if Pitbull had a music video in the world of the Fast and the Furious. That's what the trailer looks like. It looks like a music video. And from like the early 2000s or something. Like it's just... It's, there's, I can just tell by the trailer there was something... There was going to be... I wasn't going to like it, <laughs> basically. And I ended up not liking it. It's, it's basically... A, the movie's a waste of time. But I'm sure somebody likes it. I'm sure somebody listening to this... Loves that movie. It's their new favorite movie. And um, that's cool. You know, if you like this, if you like Tatane and you like Raw, that's cool. Uh, I'm not into it. And it's definitely not the most fucked up movie ever made. Okay? If you want to know about the most fucked up movies ever made, um, I mean, a minimal amount of research will show you the way to those movies. Um, you can also, um, you can also go to my first episode, actually my first episode. Um, it was, it's entitled uh, documenting death or how I rescued your next movie night through horror. That's a good episode. You can start there. If you really want to see some stuff that'll blow your hair back. Anyhow, let's get into the movies. Okay, so number 10. Number 10 on the list for best years of movies in the decade of the 1990s. So my list, um, and this list might change. I don't know. I just threw this uh, list together just in the past few days. So I may be like, I don't know. I might feel differently tomorrow. This list might change. But as of today, this is the list. Okay. Number 10, 1996. So here's the thing with the 1990s. Uh, There was a lot of good movies every year of the 90s. Every single year, there was some fucking awesome classic movies. Like classic shit that, um, I mean... When I really look at all this, I think I mean I own probably several movies from each one of these years. You know, there was a lot of good shit that came out. 1996. Here's just I'm just gonna run. I'm gonna just run. Here's just a list of movies from 96. Okay, just so you can kind of get a, a feel for what 96 was. Okay, and the quality of that year. Okay. In 96, the following movies came out. Scream, From Dust Till Dawn, Train Spotting, Mars Attacks, Thinner, Fargo, Kingpin, Hellraiser 4. I know it's not the best movie, but let me just say, if you were a Hellraiser fan in the 90s, you watched every single fucking Hellraiser. Okay? Direct... Direct-to-video shit back in the day, like, meant something, okay? <laughs> Let me just preface that. If you were in the 90s, like, not every movie you watched, you saw a trailer for. 
like you, sometimes you would just walk into the video store and you just saw a box and you're like, I'm going to rent that. And then you rented it and that's all the trailer you needed. Okay. So I just, I throw, I throw Hellraiser four in there. Hmm. What else came out in 96? Beavis and Butthead do America. Sleepers. Sling Blade. Happy Gilmore. The Mystery Science Theater 3000 movie. Sometimes they come back. The Craft. Jackie Chan's First Strike. Mission Impossible. And Tremors 2. Now... I mean, I, every one of these years, I compiled a list of movies. I didn't compile every single movie that came out that year because who has the time? But I just, every year, I made a list of movies that I find to be watchable, if not awesome, amazing. So, 96 was, I mean, that's a pretty decent list. If you're a horror fan, I mean, you got Scream, you got your From Dust Till Dawn, you got Thinner, you have Hellraiser 4. You know, sometimes they come back. The Craft, if you even want to call out a horror movie. It's fun, though. Tremors, too, if you're into the Tremors franchise. And then you have you know, you got quite a bit of comedy. Kingpin. Trainspotting's pretty funny. It's got some fucked up shit in it, but it's, you know, I, I don't know. I consider Trainspotting a, a comedy. Uh, Fargo. You know, if you're a Coen Brothers fan. Sleepers, if you're into... Uh, watching uh, uh, child versions of Jason Patrick and Brad Pitt get sodomized by Kevin Bacon. How come Kevin Bacon was raping everybody in the 90s? What was up with that? Like, Hollow Man? Hollow Man, he just... If you you didn't see Hollow... I don't even know what year that came out, really. But all I know is I saw it during the pandemic. And it was... Kevin Bacon figures out how to become invisible through science. He followed the science and became invisible. And what did he do when he had the, when he had, he became invisible. You know, that's like some little kid shit. Like if you could have a superpower, what superpower would you have? Well, Kevin Bacon chose invisibility. And what did he decide to do with that invisibility uh, power? Uh, Rape everyone what he did that movie is kevin uh, bacon raping people for two hours it's also not on any of my lists because uh, i just don't i don't recommend hollow man anyhow what else is on there you know you have stuff like sling blade i like sling blade sling blade sling blade's like you know just drama but i also kind of find it funny because billy bob thornton's acting kind of you know you know what he's acting like um, and John Ritter is in it. Rest in peace. I miss John Ritter. <sighs> that first Mission Impossible movie. I like the Mission Impossible movies. They're like they're pretty fucking solid movies, you know. And I'm actually a Tom Cruise fan. Like Tom Cruise and uh, Nicolas Cage. Like those. Like those two guys have been like relegated to like. Oh, those are just crazy guys. Fucking, they're quacks, they're whatever, you know, people just, you know, are dismissive of them and say cruel things about them, but I'm like, I don't think most people are better than Tom Cruise. Like, Tom Cruise is pretty, pretty amazing. 
So, and and I think that's why people don't like him. They know Tom Cruise is awesome, and they can't deal with it. So, I hope me saying that ages well. I hope in like a year from now, there's not some documentary about fucking Tom Cruise sodomizing people, like reenacting Hollow Man in his uh, in his compound in Los Angeles. I didn't I hope that doesn't happen. But yeah, number 10 is uh, 1996. I mean, that's a pretty decent list of movies. But, uh, you know, it's not as good as number 9. And number 9 is the year of 1997. The year after. 1997 had the following movies. Um, The Game. Boogie Nights. Uh, Kids in the Hall Brain Candy, the original Funny Games, Perfect Blue, Event Horizon, Wishmaster, Lost Highway, The Fifth Element, Gattaca, Titanic, Goodwill Hunting, Scream 2, Conspiracy Theory, uh, starring Mel Gibson. Um, the Conspiracy Theory is also known as... Uh, Mel Gibson jerking off to uh, Julia Roberts on a treadmill. That's the alternate title in Japan. What else came out in 97? Alien Resurrection, Copland. Um, I put this on the list, even though these two movies I don't give a shit about, really. Uh, but th- there was two dueling kind of disaster volcano movies that year. One was Volcano. Perfect title. And then Dante's Peak. There was also L.A. Confidential, Con Air, Donnie Brasco, Air Force One. Um, I, Air Force One is like, like I feel that that's like Harrison Ford in Air Force One. I feel like that's what like Joe Biden sees himself as, as Harrison Ford as president. Like he pictures himself like yelling, like, get off my plane, and then punching a terrorist in the face and throwing him out of Air Force One. You can fact check that, by the way. That's all, that's all 100% correct. What else came out in 97? Jackie Brown, Starship Troopers. Mr. Nice Guy, another Jackie Chan film. Jackie Chan was busy in the 90s. Chasing Amy. As Good As It Gets, and Kiss the Girls. Pretty solid year. Um, I need to go back and rewatch The Game. I saw it once around the time it came out because Michael Douglas was in fucking everything in the 90s. He was in Disclosure and Basic Instinct. and He was in fucking everything. Um, so I saw The Game once, and I... I believe that's a, if I'm not mistaken, I think that's a David Fincher film. And I wasn't, David Fincher really wasn't on my radar until like seven. So, you know, I later kind of became a fan of his. Boogie Nights was my shit. When I moved away from home, which was in October of 2000, I graduated high school in July. I believe it was July of 2000. 
and then I partied for a few months, and then I moved to San Francisco in 2000, October. I had a handful of movies in my dorm room. I had... God, what did I end up having? I had Halloween on VHS. I had uh, Dead Alive on VHS. I had Boogie Nights. I had Snatch. What else did I have? That might have been all I had. So I watched the fuck out of Boogie Nights when that came out. Uh, it's a fucking great movie. Um, Kids in the Hall, Brain Candy... I was a big fan of Kids in the Hall. I grew up with Kids in the Hall. That was like, back in the day, there were so many, like, um, comedy troupe, you know, shows. There, you know, there was The State. There was the Upright Citizens Brigade. There was Kids in the Hall. Um, there was The Vacant Lot. I don't know. I, I consider, like, Reno 911 to be kind of... You know, that wasn't a sketch show necessarily, but it was like I, I kind of felt like that cast of characters, they felt like, you know, kind of like one of those shows. Anyways, Brain Candy, like Kids in the Hall. That's good shit. Uh, the original Funny Games, that was that was cool. Let's see. Um, Perfect Blue, if you're a, a fan of anime, especially sort of like darker themed kind of, uh, I don't want to say reality-based, but less, like, fantastical people flying around and uppercutting each other's heads off type of anime. And, um, like, Perfect Blue could be, like, a regular movie, really. It's, like, uh, you can make a live-action Perfect Blue easily. I'm sure just me saying that, it's going to materialize into the world at some point. Um Everyone, oh, oh my God, everyone loves Event Horizon in high school. I don't know how well it holds up now. Hmm. What else? Fuck, Titanic? I wasn't, like, the biggest fan of Titanic. It really wasn't my thing, but I remember in high school there was a Halloween party, and all of my friends went. Everyone was in costume, and it was, the party was thrown by this woman <clears throat> this woman who looked like Mimi from the Drew Carey show. And she was the landlord for this apartment complex in my hometown. And she threw this Halloween party. And what she did was she blocked off like the entire parking lot of this apartment complex. Like, it was, like, an outdoor, you know, semi-covered parking lot. It was huge. And she, like, blocked it off with, like, hay bales. Like, dozens of hay bales. And then the party basically <clears throat> started in her house, in her apartment, because she lives on the property, went out the back door and into the parking lot. And it was, you know, it was probably, like, I don't know. 50 to 80 people there. There was a lot of fucking people there, you know, for like a, her and her husband, I think had like a one or two bedroom apartment. And then, you know, there's just a parking lot and it's all these people in the middle of the night dressed up, uh, just getting fucking trashed. And 
all my friends were minors. Like we were all in high school. We were kids. And, um, but the, but the, the woman who threw the party, her fucking apartment was insane. She was obsessed with Titanic. She had all these like card standing cardboard cutout things that you would see in like a movie theater, like lobby for Titanic. And she had posters and she had fucking multiple copies of the movie, like on display in her living room. She had this round glass coffee table that people were doing like meth off of. And, uh, could have been cocaine. I don't know. Who knows? Whatever whatever they were doing. She had this glass round coffee table and underneath the glass, okay, it was like a round piece of glass that sat into the frame of this thing, was a giant picture of Leonardo DiCaprio's character from Titanic. Like she took this poster, cut it into a circle, and just adhered it somehow to the bottom of her coffee table, like the glass. So when you're sitting there on the couch, there's just like this Leonardo DiCaprio coffee table with people doing lines of cocaine off of it. It was very, very strange. Side note, um, a bunch of people passed out there when the party was over. Myself included and one of my buddies. I woke up in the morning, thoroughly hungover, and um, I woke up and looked over, and that lady was like trying to unbutton my buddy's pants while he was sleeping, laying on the floor. So we're laying on the floor of her fucking Titanic living room, and I look over, and I see this fucking woman standing over my buddy, like unbuttoning buttoning his like Jinko jeans, and he was younger than I was. He was probably 15, maybe 16. (laughs) And you have this like 32 year old woman just trying to unbutton his pants at like eight in the morning. The whole house smells like fucking just rotten beer soaked into the fucking carpet and cigarettes. Ugh, God. So glad I don't live in my hometown anymore. <laughs> Fuck. Um, I don't know. What are, what are some high spots there? I need to go back and watch Conspiracy Theory. I like that. Um, Julia, Robert, Julia Roberts, by the way. Um, you know, I think Julia Roberts is, you know, she's fine. I don't have anything against Julia Roberts. I do think she is a pretty woman. I just remember, like, she fucked around on everybody back in the day. Because I, I remember she was, what was it? She was supposed to get married to Gurren McDermott? Right? Is that his name? He's the dude from, uh, like, first season of American Horror Story. He was in, in the line of fire. That guy. <clears throat> and then the wedding got called off because she started fucking around with Kiefer Sutherland. So Julia Roberts, like, had to call off her wedding with Dylan McDermott because she was fucking around with Kiefer Sutherland, and then eventually her and Kiefer Sutherland were together. Then they were supposed to get married. And then they had to call off their wedding because 
Julia Roberts started fucking around with Kiefer Sutherland's co-star from The Lost Boys, Jason Patrick. And as the story goes, like, Jason Patrick and Kiefer Sutherland were, like, homies. They were, like, friends, you know? And, I mean, Jason Patrick was invited to his wedding, but then she started fucking around with Jason Patrick, and that wedding got called off, and then she was with Jason Patrick. So that's, that's, mm, that's weird. Also, like, her son, what is her daughter's name? She's in all the fucking American Horror Story. Uh, Emma Roberts? Is it Emma? I think it's Emma Roberts. Is it Emma Roberts? I don't know. I could be wrong. Anyways, I can see, I could picture her face, and she's very pretty, too. And I wonder who's, like, who's her dad? I don't know. I don't feel like looking that up right now. I'm, I wonder, like, I look at those three guys in my mind. I'm like... Is she the daughter of Jason Patrick or Kiefer Sutherland or Dylan McDermott? I can't really tell. Anyways, who gives a shit? Um, I do want to point out, Mr. Nice Guy, Jackie Chan, the 90s, fucking awesome. Okay? If you are completely burnt out on horse shit fucking action films and you want to see something entertaining... Because we're at a point now, we're like in a post-MMA UFC world where, you know, you see people throwing fucking arm bars and and fucking doing, you know, fucking judo hip throws and shit in movies. And that never used to be. Like, like martial arts and fighting in movies was very, like, fantastical and kind of, like, ridiculous because it looked good. It was like pro wrestling. You know what I mean? It Like, like it just looked better visually. And that's like... That's what, like, every Jackie Chan movie is. Every Jackie Chan movie is visually, like, the the fighting is fun to watch. It doesn't look like two drunk idiots in front of a bar at three in the morning just fucking fist fighting. Like, it's, it's, it's entertaining shit. So if you're, you know, if you're not caught up with Jackie Chan movies, like, you know, have an evening where you watch a couple Jackie Chan movies. Okay. Watch, like, Police Story and, like, Rumble in the Bronx. Just, like, watch those two movies. Or just pick any two. You know what I mean? What else came out? As good as it gets. Mm, I'm going to skip that. I don't feel like talking about that. Um, Kiss the Girls. One of those, like, weird... Oh, my God. Is it Alex Cross? I think that was an Alex Cross movie. Um, where like uh, Morgan Freeman plays Alice Cross in these in these sort of like thriller drama movies about Carrie Ells holding fucking Ashley Judd hostage in his fucking fuck dungeon. I don't know. I saw that in theaters with my mother. <laughs> my mom took me to see fucking everything. It was great. She didn't give a fuck, and she was like. Fucking Ashley, she was a fan of the Judds. If you're not familiar with the Judds, it was uh, Naomi and Winona. Winona and Naomi? I think that's correct. Winona and Naomi Judd were in a like country, uh, like a country music group called the Judds. And then Ashley Judd went the way of acting. She became an actress. So, um,. My mom would watch anything with Ashley Judd in it because she was related to the Judds. So that's a 
I don't know. It's almost like my mom was coming up with reasons to take her children to see R-rated movies. So, that's cool. Anyways, uh, let's move it along here. Let's move on to number eight. The number eight best year for movies in the 1990s. That would be 1998. 1998. What happened in 1998? Well, we got Halloween H2O. We got Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. We got American History X. We got, excuse me, we got Rounders. We have the original Ring, also known as Ringu. Um, we have the Big Lebowski. We have Half Baked. We have Ronin. We have uh, the following. We have Saving Private Ryan. We have Blade. We have Run Lola Run. Dark City, the first X Files movie, and Bride of Chucky. It's weird hearing these things listed. Because, I don't know about your memory, but my memory's like, fuck, did, did fucking The Big Lebowski really come out the same year as Bride of Chucky in the X-Files movie? Fuck. Fuck, that's weird. Um, Halloween H2O. Uh, you know, that movie's fine. All the Halloween movies are, you know, have fucking issues and problems, including the new one. And, um... By the way, speaking of the new one, I have an episode from episode six of the Skeleton Factory podcast entitled Halloween Kills Commentary. So if you uh, are watching Halloween Kills on Peacock, and believe me, you're not missing anything in the dialogue, okay? The, The writing in that movie is... Uh, it could be a whole lot better. <laughs> it's a really nice way of me saying it's like sucks, but it could be a but it can be a lot better. But so maybe you can just watch the movie, turn down the volume on the movie, and then put on my Halloween Kills commentary. Sync it up. The instructions are in the beginning of the podcast, and you can watch Halloween Kills with my commentary. Okay, yeah, but I mean, I saw Halloween H two in theaters, and it was on TV all the fucking time, and I don't know. It's just it was a, it was a time where you know you were jonesing for a fucking major horror movie to come out with another sequel, so it's like, of course, I went and saw it, and it's whatever. Um, kind of like most of the Halloween movies, they're just kind of like whatever. But I do find it watchable. Uh, Fear and Loathing of Las Vegas is sensational. It's fucking really good shit. Uh, if you haven't seen Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, it it's one of those movies you watch and then you feel like doing drugs. I should just do an episode about my favorite movies that inspire me to do drugs. Or uh, consume alcohol or whatever. Because, I mean... Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, it makes you really think. You're like, fuck, I need a drink. I need a drink and some fucking 
prescription medication right now. I need a bottle of ether and a rag. That's what I need. Um, but yeah, what else? American History X. Oh my God, I saw that when I... Okay, so I got kicked out of high school. Let's see. I got kicked out my sophomore year. I And then I got kind of shuffled around to a few continuation schools, which is like... Almost, it's like not quite jail. In the town I lived in in the in the nineties, it was like, it was like, an it was like an eighties or nineties movie about a bad high school where a teacher tries to come in and turn things around. Except in my story, shit never turned around. It was just like bad kids came in and kids left worse than when they came in. <laughs> You know, was it low? Here's a quick list of just like movies about fucking bad kids in school. There's a uh, class of 1984, uh, class of 1999, which is a sequel to class of 1984. It's also has the same writer and director, I believe. Um, also the same director as a uh, fire starter. If you're looking into uh, watching some Stephen King adaptations, you can watch fire starter with a little tiny Drew Barrymore high on cocaine. What other movies? Oh my god, one of my personal favorites, Three O'Clock High. Uh, Three O'Clock High is about this uh, kind of nerdy dude who is tasked with welcoming the new kid to school. And the new kid in school is only coming, being transferred to this new high school because he's basically been kicked out of every high school that exists, you know, in their state, I guess. And basically when he goes, he basically pisses off the guy as soon as he gets to, like, he's clearly a bully. Like he's been kicked out of every school because he's was fighting in every school that he ever went to. And the movie's great. Like they're even like, I heard he killed a guy. Like they really build up the bully character before he even shows up. And then something happens where the bully guy's like, I don't like, I don't need a fucking escort. I don't need anyone to show me around. So fuck off. And the guy's like, Oh man, I'm sorry. And you know, uh, okay, well let's just let bygones be bygones and I'll, you know, just leave you alone, whatever. And it's something where he like, he like touches the guy on the shoulder. It's just sort of like, like, you know, not in a threatening way, just sort of like, Oh, like, Hey man, I don't want any trouble. And he just kind of gives him a pat on the shoulder and the dude fucking loses his mind and fucking picks him up and smashes him against a bathroom mirror and says, look, fuckface, you and I are going to have a fight after school, three o'clock. If you try to run, I'll be under your bed. If you try to go to the principal, you'll just make your beating even worse. Like, terrifying. The, the fucking bully in that movie, his name is Buddy Ravel, and... The guy who played him, I can't remember his first name. I know his last name was Tyson. <laughs> but he was the bad guy in uh, Kindergarten Cop. So if you remember who like the bad guy was in Kindergarten Cop, it's that guy. And um, the, the way 3 O'Clock High is shot is really interesting and different. It's a fun high school movie. And you really feel for the kid who's get, like his impending ass beating is like all day long. It's like people are taking bets on how quickly he's going to get fucked up by this guy. And it's, it's a fan. It's, it's a fucking great movie. Um, 
the actual fight that they have at the end of the movie is uh, not amazing. But um, for the most part, I would recommend 3 O'Clock High to anybody. So, wow, I just got fucking all up in the fucking weeds. Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck. Okay, all, all of that was so I can circle around to fucking American History X. American History... Oh, so I, after I got kicked around to school, I got fucking shuffled around to a bunch of fucking continuation schools, and then I ended up at this place called Manteca Day School. And actually, I didn't end up there. That was actually the first place they kicked me out in. And it was basically like the old tennis courts of my high school. It was like kind of on the side street. It was kind of pushed away from the rest of the school, away from, you know, civilized people and students. But it was basically an old crumbling tennis court that they put a... I don't know, 30 foot fence surrounding it. And then they had one of those sort of like portable building, portable classrooms just plopped in the center of it. That fucking place sucked. But, um, I remember, I forgot where I got it from. I might have got, I may, I don't know where I got it. I may, I got it out of the paper for sure. Cause I remember it being made out of like newspaper. So I'd rather got it out of some like, I don't know where the fuck I got it, but I, I remember the ad for American history X and I remember having, like, I remember seeing the trailer for it or something, and I cut out the fucking ad because it had all the movie times and where it was actually showing. And um, I cut it out and, like, had it in my pocket. I remember showing my friends, going, like, we got to see this fucking movie. It was like, it's, like, fucking about, like, some fucking Nazi, it's like a Nazi prison movie or some shit. I can't fucking wait to see it. And Stacey Keach is in it. <laughs> so, uh... But, and this is actually something that happened quite a bit in my hometown. So, American History X was supposed to play, and then they pulled it from theaters. I was pissed. Another thing that happened was they uh, entered the Dragon. It was like, I think it was one of the anniversaries they entered the Dragon. That was supposed to play in my hometown, and they hyped it up at the theater that it was supposed to play at. Same theater that was supposed to play fucking American History X. They pulled that from theaters. They pulled fucking Enter the Dragon. What the fuck? And then um, that movie, The Cube, if you ever seen that? It's about, you know, people trapped in a cube. Um, I don't know. It's not an amazing movie, but I remember wanting to see The Cube because I saw the trailer for it, and that was set to play at that theater, and they pulled that too. So I don't know what the fuck was going on at that theater, but, you know, I had to see American History X. Like, God, I don't even think I ended up seeing it until I... My senior year of high school. Anyways. That's not what I want to talk about. Uh, rounders. You know. Rounders. That's kind of like. Made everyone want to start playing poker. Because there was a period of time where everyone was playing fucking. You know. Texas Hold'em and shit. That was the movie that kind of started that. Also starring. Edward Norton, same as American History X. Big Lebowski. I actually didn't see the Big Lebowski when it came out. I didn't end up seeing it until, let's see. Let's see, I moved out of San Francisco in April 2002. Moved to Santa Barbara. So I probably didn't see Big Lebowski until 2003, something like that. Um, cause my, my fucking ex-girlfriend, ugh, 
She was cute though. She was like she looked like a combination of Rose McGowan and Heather Graham, but she was like short. You know. Um and she had a cool scar on her face. Like like uh Heath Ledger Joker. Anyways, um like her and my roommate would just quote Big Lebowski all the time and I was like, I don't know, I don't know what you're quoting. And then we watched Big Lebowski and I was like, Oh, that's what you guys have been babbling on about every day, constantly. Um, let's see. Uh let's see, Ronan. Yeah. I saw Ronan in theaters. On acid. I went to the theater alone. It was the same theater that pulled fucking American History X and The Cube and Enter the Dragon. I went uh, and saw Ronan. I, I had acid. There was a period of time in high school I was doing quite a bit of acid. And I had some. And I didn't have anybody to do it with. And I thought, like, I'm going to do it by myself. Because I've done it with friends. So I was like, okay, I could do this alone. So... I don't know. It must have been on the weekend. Because I don't feel like I ditched school to go do acid. I, f- I feel like it was just like on a weekend or something. God, 1998. Okay, so I was, I don't know, sophomore, junior in high school. Went and saw Ronan on acid. I sat in the front row because why not? And there was like barely anyone there. There was like maybe you know three other people there or something like that. And, um, I probably got through about an hour of Ronin and my brain just started fucking melting down. Um, I remember the car chase scene. I remember De Niro was in it. I think Jean Renault was in it. And, um, we'll get to Jean Renault because that motherfucker was great in the 90s. He was in Mission Impossible. He was in fucking The Professional. And he was also in a movie that I I feel is very underrated and people need to fucking, like, like, that movie needs to, a movie that needs to be kind of brought back around to people and shown, like, here, look at this movie. Especially in an era of, like, 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 late, like, underrepresented women in action films. Because that, people feel like that's a thing. Like, there's not enough women who are kicking ass in movies. And it's like, no, that's not the case at all. That's never been the case. I don't know who's... It's People who are saying that just never watch movies. They never saw this movie I'm about to bring up, and that is La Femme Nikita. La Femme Nikita, it's beautifully shot. It's a pretty damn good story. Every All, all the actors in it are fucking fantastic. It's lots of action and... La Femme Nikita, okay? That's what you need to do. You need to watch La Femme Nikita. Jean Renault is also in there. He's, uh, let's see, that, that director also, uh, his movie before La Femme Nikita, some movie about, like, pearl diving or some shit. I don't know. I just remember there was a lot of ocean uh, dolphins, and Jean Renault is in it. I don't know. Anyways, let's see. What else was there? So, yeah, I went and saw Ronin on Acid. And I got through an hour of it. I left the theater, and there was a Carl's Jr. in the same parking lot as the theater. I sat at a booth by myself with my head, on my forehead on the table, because it was nice and cool. And, like, the sounds of everything was just sensory overload, and I needed somewhere just to just chill. So I'm sitting at this booth, no food, 
in front of me, not even a drink, not even a water cup. I just sat alone with my head down on this table and just listening to myself breathe. <laughs> and unbeknownst to me, my friend Jason, um, I don't know what happened to that guy. He ended up becoming a comedian. Jason, if you're listening to this, you're not listening to this, but if you are listening to this, Jason Soam, get a hold of me. Get a hold of me on uh, Instagram or something. Instagram. Skeleton underscore factory on Instagram. Get a hold of me, buddy. I miss you. Um, but he, ended, he ended up becoming a stand-up comic, which is pretty rad. But uh, anyways, he's walking by the Carl's Jr. He sees me through the window, and he walks in, sits across from me in the booth. I don't realize he's there. At some point, I lift my head, and he's sitting there. And... This fucks me up because I was like, how long have you been sitting there? Have you been with me this whole time? I don't know. And he's like, what's up, dude? I'm like, what the, how, where the fuck did you come from? And he's like, what's going on with you? I'm like, I'm high on acid right now. And he's like, wow, sweet. And um, I don't remember much. All I know is we sat there in a booth. We didn't order anything. We just sat in a crowded fucking Carl's Jr. And the top of the table, like was painted in such a way where it had like a, it looked like TV static. It was like this black and white composition book cover, kind of like black and white, like, like static pattern on it, which was like kind of weird to me. So I felt like I was looking down at a flat screen television that had static going on it. And um, they had salt and pepper shakers on the table which is weird to think about now. I don't know. Are there still salt and pepper shakers at fucking fast food restaurants? I don't know. But at this Carl's Jr., they had it. And I started dumping, started shaking all the salt and pepper onto the fucking table. And the, and the, and the white salt and the black pepper was sort of like mixing in with the pattern of the table. And then once I got it all on the table, I started like, running my fingers over it like a, like a Japanese sand garden and then like kind of like blowing it and watching it, the salt and the pepper blow across the table. And it actually looked like I was blowing the actual table. Like I'd blown the table and it looked like it was just like turning into dust. Like, like Thanos snapped his fingers and the tables looked like it was blowing away in the fucking wind. So I'm sitting there just blowing salt and pepper onto my buddy and you know, that's all I fucking remember. I don't even remember how I got home that day, but it was a good time. That's the only thing I remember about Ronan. So, um, you know, what else? What else came out in 98? The following that got recommended to me, it was uh, Christopher Nolan's first movie. It's black and white. It's very low budget. Like, if you saw it, you wouldn't think it's a fucking Christopher Nolan movie. Like, all the kind of Christopher Nolan kind of tropes didn't really exist yet. Um, all I remember about the following, and I actually had it on DVD, was it was a story about a guy. And there's like a there's quite a bit of narration in the beginning of it. Uh, he's a, the, about this guy in London who would pick a person out of a crowd, and this is something he did to amuse himself. He would pick a person out of the crowd, and then he would follow them. He would just see where they went. And he had like rules. He would he would not um, follow anybody for too long. If he felt like the person knew they were being followed, he would stop following them. 
Um, he would never follow them home. Like, it was sort of like this weird voyeuristic thing this guy would do. And then he ended up following, like, some guy who was kind of, like, he was immediately onto him. He knew he was being followed. And I, and if I'm, re- I don't know if I'm remembering this right, but I'm pretty sure he, like, confronted the guy. Like, hey, are you following me? He's like, oh, no, I'm definitely not following you. And he's like, yeah, you're following me. I noticed you were following me for a while. And then the guy he's ended up following it was like a fucking cat burglar or some shit. And then the two of them just start fucking robbing houses together. <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember. I, I, I remember liking it at the time. Would I like it now through 2021 eyes? I don't know. What else came out that year? Saving Saving Private Ryan. It's a good war movie. Good in theaters. Fucking loud. And you know, Tom Sizemore is in there. If any, if you all haven't seen, um, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I should see if this is on YouTube. There was a show called Breaking Sizemore, and it was basically like, uh, again, I don't know if I'm remembering this correctly, but it was basically a TV show where Tom Sizemore had a video camera and he um, would, and, and it's all from his POV. So he's filming everything and it's him and his girlfriend locked in a hotel room, um, just doing cocaine and drinking themselves to death and taking various drugs and looking through the fucking blinds out the window and being paranoid that they're being watched by the government or something. I don't know. Look it up. I don't know. I, I that That's how I remember that show. And it wasn't on very long at all. But uh, I like Tom Sizemore, man. He was in Heat. Uh, he was in Natural Born Killers. He was in Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. It, you know, he was, he, was in, he was another guy who was in fucking everything in the 90s. Um else happened in 98 oh my god blade oh my god that's what i love about blade um let's see i don't i don't know if wesley snipes ever made any kind of public statement from his fucking debtor's prison jail cell but um this like when black panther came out there was this whole thing of like oh finally there's a there's black representation in in superhero films it was like that sort of uh attitude surrounding the black panther movie and it's like bro fucking blade came out in 98 it came out like a long fuck like there we've there was three movies and a tv show like we've had a superhero fucking black guy and he's a vampire and he has a sword i mean that on paper i think is cooler than black panther T'Challa? Is that his name? What would you rather have? Like, oh, um, he's the king of this, like, highly advanced, um, uh, I guess, African nation that's hidden from the rest of the world. And he's also a superhero that teams up with uh, other superheroes. And they, I don't know, fight crime against the guy from Creed with body scars and dreadlocks, whatever the fuck that guy's name is. Or would you like, I want to see, or do you want to see Wesley Snipes 
with a sword killing vampires and guess what he's also a vampire the choice is simple blade all the way i'm team blade for all of you black panther fans out there i'm team wesley snipes for that matter holy shit if you've seen his uh seen him in uh my name is dolomite the eddie murphy movie <sighs> besides eddie murphy he's like the next best fucking character in that movie he's fucking sensational what else? What else happened in 1998? Run Lola Run, which I owned, and me and my fucking girlfriend from culinary school. I went to culinary school, by the way. That's why I moved from my small town of Manteca to San Francisco. That's why I moved there. I went to culinary school. And my girlfriend, when I was in culinary school, was also in culinary school. And um, that was one of the movies we would watch on VHS. We'd watch Run Lola Run. What else? There was Dark City. I'm surprised that hasn't been fucking remade or made into a show or something. That was an interesting world. An interesting sci-fi weird fuck world. They can remake that now. Kiefer Sutherland was in it. You can put Kiefer you can make it put Kiefer, Kiefer Sutherland in the in a remake. Put that on fucking Netflix or Amazon Prime. I'd watch it. The X-Files movie. I was an X-Files fan. I don't know if you like the X-Files. If you don't, that's cool. You don't have to like the X-Files. But, um, yeah, David Duchovny. And before that, like, the only, like, when X-Files came out and David Duchovny as Agent Fox Mulder of the FBI, he was in, he was, um, what's her face? Oh, my God. I'm forgetting her name. Anyways, he was in, um, don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. He was uh, one of the fucking one of the fucking bad girls' fucking uh, boyfriends. And I saw it when the X Files came on TV. I'm like, hey, it's it's the fucking boyfriend from Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. He has his own show. Good for him. Yeah, the X Files movie. I mean, I was into that shit. Do you want to what? Okay, like. I went back and rewatched the X Files, probably like in 2019, something like that. And the first six episodes are hilarious because the first episode looks like it was made for like ten dollars. This, you know, second and third episode looks like it was made for about a hundred dollars. You know, fourth episode looks like it was made for about $200. The fifth episode looks like it was made for about $200.05. And then fucking by the sixth episode, you could tell somebody dumped a fuckload of money into it. And then from that point forward, it really became the X-Files. Like, they were on, like, such a comedically shoestring budget, those first, like, couple episodes. It's hilarious. And then at some point, like, you see, like, oh, all of a sudden there's all this fucking money and it doesn't seem like there's... Like, all the walls are fucking made of cardboard and shit. Doesn't look like a fucking elementary school play. And then Bride of Chucky came out. <sighs> Bride of Chucky's fine, I guess. Child's, eh, yeah, the Child's Play movies are okay. They're watchable. They're silly. They know what the fuck they are. Oh, my God. So we're at number seven. Number seven of the 
of the best years for movies in the 1990s. That brings us to 1991. I'm going to say from this point on, it was really difficult to compile this list because there are some really good movies in every one of these fucking years from here on out. And 1991 is, is no exception. 1991 has got some fucking bangers in there. You got fucking uh, Silence of the Lambs. I fucking love Silence of the Lambs. You want, like, rewatchability? I mean, I watch Silence of the Lambs at least a couple times a year, easily. Terminator 2 Judgment Day? Holy fuck. Point Break? Um, Cape Fear. Uh, there's even some documentary in there. There's Heart of Darkness. Hearts of Darkness. Documentary about the making of Apocalypse Now. So if you're an Apocalypse Now fan, or a Francis Ford Coppola fan, or you're just into movies about Vietnam, check out Hearts of Darkness. I remember renting that from Blockbuster. That's a very good documentary. Um, you got some Van Damme in there. Fucking Double Impact came out, where he played... Uh, he played twin brothers. <laughs> uh, my own private Idaho starring every fucking hunky guy in the fucking uh, early nineties, including Keanu Reeves. Um, a personal favorite of mine, Harley Davidson, the Marlboro man starring Mickey Rourke and Don Johnson. Who else is in that? The guy who's, uh, that was a big John Stud. If you're into 80s professional wrestling, big John Stud is in that. He was a mountain of a man. And um, who was the other dude? There was a dude. What the fuck is his name? The guy from uh, Breaking Bad, Fring. What's his fucking first name? I can hear people yelling it at me right now. What was fucking the guy who was the manager of uh, Los Poyos Hermanos? That guy. He's in fucking a Harley Davidson Marble, man. Um, let's see. Vanessa Williams. Fucking Tom si A skinny Tom Sizemore is in there playing the main bad guy. Uh, Daniel Baldwin is in it. Um, oh, my God. What is the name of the chick in it that Don Johnson has his, like... Sexy time with. I don't remember, but I just remember she was she she was a very sexy lady. I don't know. I liked her. Um, Holly Davidson Marble Man is basically about these two loner guys. It's it's obviously when you watch it, it's sort of patterned after um, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, but in the nineties. But it was actually the movie came out um, in ninety one. But in the movie, it's the future of 1999. Oh, fuck. It's the future of 1999. And it's like, was, was it 99 or was it 96? That's even worse. <laughs> it's, it's like, here's what fucking like a couple of years from now looks like. And it's like the con, like a model like a like a toy model of the Concord fucking flying into LA and uh well Burbank to be specific and 
Basically, it's about these two loner guys. Uh, Don Johnson plays the Marlboro Man, and uh, he's basically the Marlboro Man. He's a it's a movie about the 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 Marlboro Man character from the Marlboro Cigarette Company. And if you don't remember cigarette ads, there was a period of time where their uh, Marlboro cigarettes had a had a mascot, and he was known as the Marlboro Man. He was basically just like a cowboy, and there'd be pictures of him fucking on a horse and shit like that. And I remember smoking. I smoked fucking Marlboro Reds. Um, for a long time. And if you went to like, uh, there's these places called cigarettes cheaper. And it was basically a store that sold fucking nothing, but fucking chewing tobacco and cigarettes. They didn't sell fucking anything else. It's all they sold. And you would go there and it's the only place that you can go to, to get, um, and this is for like real fucking cigarette fucking addicts. You'd go there and they had a pack of, uh, they had regular Marlboro reds, you know, but they had a thing called Marlboro 25s. Marlboro 25s were regular Marlboro Reds, but instead of a pack of 20, there were 25 cigarettes in there. You got five extra cigarettes. And the box was slightly different. It looked like your typical red and white Marlboro Reds box, but it had a colored photo of the Marlboro Man on a horse, like swinging a lasso over his head. Fucking sensational. Anyways, there was, uh, and uh, that was Don Johnson. And then uh, Mickey Rourke played Harley Davidson. Like, that's his name in the movie. His name is Harley Davidson. And he's wearing, like, a Harley Davidson, like, racing leather suit outfit. And he's riding a Harley Davidson, of course. And they're sort of, like, buddies that like meet up with each other from time to time on the road or they just run into each other because they just kind of, they just roam. They just roam the roads of America going from bar to bar, just kind of, you know, living their lives, you know, just rambling men sort of thing. And There's a lot of fucking them getting in fucking fights. And like the beginning of the movie, like Don Johnson, uh, he, is basically pool hustling. Um, I don't remember the guy's name, but he was. Uh, if you remember the show, uh, the Renegade, starring Lorenzo Lamas, there was a show called the Renegade. If you ever, any, I don't know if I don't know how, I don't know if anyone knows the fuck I'm talking about. There's a channel called Me TV, and it's basically like if you have rabbit ears on your fucking TV. You know what I mean? Like you it's like the most bare minimum of channels. There's a there's a channel called Me TV. And it's great. There's old episodes of Twilight Zone. They do all the Star Treks. So they 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 have a marathon in the middle of the day where they do original Star Trek, they do fucking Next Generation, they do fucking Voyager, Enterprise, they do all that, Deep Space 9. And um they do uh they have episodes of Spenguli for all my people out in fucking Chicago. They know what fucking Spenguli is. He's sort of like the last of the great sort of like movie, horror movie like hosts, which was a huge fucking thing back in the day. You know, you, you know, you had your like Elvira's and your fucking Joe Bob Briggs type people, but then you had like the local people like Zachary and uh, Dr. Shock and people like that. Um, why, did, why the fuck did I bring up that? 
Anyways, um, Harley Davidson Marble. It's a fucking weird movie. It's a weird future. There's there's a heist in it. They steal a bunch of what they think is money from an armored truck, and it's actually um, drugs. And the people who have the drugs, who's Tom Sizemore, who runs this like large corporate bank, basically sends his fucking Dano Baldwin and his like goons to go fucking kill Harley Davidson Marlboro to get their drugs back. And it's like this weird drug that looks like, uh, it looks like. Like a blue brick. This clear blue brick. It looks like a fucking urinal cake. If it was like a giant cube. If it if and it was called um Crystal Dream. And in the movie they're like, you put the crystal dream in your eyes and it tells you lies. So they don't really get into it, but basically it's this horribly addictive fucking drug and it's a whole fucking thing. There's a heist. A bunch of people get shot. There's, you know, it's a buddy movie. It's a modern day fucking Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid type of thing. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, Crystal Dream basically was like a blue Tesseract future drug, which is great. It's like RoboCop 2. They had a nuke, which was like this little fucking squeeze bottle thing with a needle on it and you shot it in your neck and it got you all fucked up and you know Harley Davidson Marlboro man had the same thing um anyways that's one of my personal favorites I watched the fuck out of that movie me and my dad watched that my brother and my stepdad we just sit there and watch fucking Harley Davidson Marlboro man over and over and over again it was great um let's see the Jim Jarmusch film Night on Earth Night on Earth, uh, it's basically, it's a, I guess it's technically an anthology movie, if I understand the definition of an anthology movie, but it's basically all these, like, different scenarios of, um, it's, like, people driving around in a fucking car, like, talking to other people, so there's, like, um, there's fucking, uh, was it Bob from Down By Laws, a cab driver, and he picks up a guy, and... And it's basically a movie where people are just talking. Like a young Winona writer is a fucking cab driver in L.A. And she picks up some fucking famous actress lady who plays like a casting director. And she's like, oh, you have a really pretty face. I would really like to put you in the movies. And Winona writers like, oh, gee, shucks. You know, that would really take away from my cab driving job. I think I'm happy just being a cab driver. She's like, you sure? Because, you know, you look at my fucking mansion. You could have all this. And she's like, oh. No, I think I just like driving a cab. Anyway, it's one of those Jim Jarmusch films. Like, Jim Jarmusch films are sort of, like, very relaxing. Interesting. You have to really kind of pay attention. And Oh, fuck. Fucking Out for Justice came out. Yeah, we were still deep in fucking uh, Steven Seagal world. Like, pre-fat Steven Seagal. Back when Steven Seagal was still, like, fighting people in movies and shit. Yeah, Out for Justice was was fucking sensational. That's another thing. It's just like Steven Seagal martial arts like doesn't look impressive to people nowadays, but it's sort of that Jackie Chan thing where it's just sort of like this very f- fucking flowery, artsy-looking fucking fighting style where he's just fucking up street thugs and bars and stuff. It's it's good shit. 
<clears throat> it's stupid, but I like it. It's great. Speaking of stupid and fun, um, Stone Cold starring uh, Brian, Brian Bosworth about a cop who goes undercover with his mullet and um, defeats fucking uh, Lance Henriksen, who's the head of a biker gang. <laughs> it's good. You have a fucking undercover cop story. You have fucking bikers. You have fucking, you know, explosions and fights and a lot of gunplay and stuff like that. People with uh, fingerless leather gloves. Stone Cold. Check it out. Uh, we have the sequel to Trancers. You know, Trancers is Trancers. I think is kind of underrated. It's a it's a fun series. It's sort of weird. There's time travel. It has kind of a I don't know hokey Blade Runner feel to it. It's it's fun. Uh, Ghoulies. You know. You know that was still the era of people fucking riding the coattails of gremlins. Uh, Naked Gun two and a half. I like the Naked Gun movies. Naked Gun 33 and a third kind of lost me, but the first Naked Gun movie and Naked Gun 2 and a half, heavy rotation with me and my brother growing up. And, of course, Highlander 2, which was probably really the last good, I don't know if I'd say good, it's a decent Highlander movie. Like, Highlander 1 is fucking sensational. Highlander 1, I recommend, you know, with all my heart. Highlander 2, I would only say watch Highlander 2 if you've seen Highlander 1. Just to kind of, you know, just to see it. Um, and if you're really bored, you can watch the Highlander television series. Anyways, 1991. Oh boy, number 7, 1991, which moves us on to number 6. Number six, almost halfway through in the um, best years in the 90s for movies. So my number six is 1993. 1993. And uh, this year brought us um, a pretty good selection of movies, actually. Again, from about... Number seven on, it was really hard to fucking pick a, a fucking order that felt I could, I felt justified with. But, you know, as as the list goes on, like, it's like the, these years kind of become interchangeable depending on my mood. But, you know, this is just what happened. This is what I have for number six. Number six is 1993. 1993 brought us A Nightmare Before Christmas, Falling Down, Jason Goes to Hell, True Romance, The Good Son, Tombstone, Schindler's List, In the Line of Fire, What's Eating Gilbert Grape, Groundhog's Day, Cliffhanger, The Fugitive, The Sandlot, The Coneheads Movie, Ninja Scroll, Body Melt, Hated G.G. Allen and the Murder Junkies, which is a documentary that was covered on episode five of this very podcast. Episode five, and it was entitled G.G. Allen Horror Movies and Coffee, A Way of Life. 
check it out. Uh, let's see. We had Maniac Cop 3. We had Deadfall. We had Body Snatchers, the um, sequel, actually a remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Cannibal the Musical, Hard Target, Philadelphia, The Program, Beyond the Law, Return of the Living Dead, Part 3. Dazed and Confused, Jurassic Park, and Wayne's World 2. Pretty good list for 1993, coming in at number 6. So, oh my god, that was a lot of tequila. Okay. So what do we got here? We have Nightmare Before Christmas. I mean, fucking weird Tim Burton, weird animated movie. It's pretty good. Fucking Falling Down, which is a... Uh, Falling Down's fucking awesome. Like, who doesn't like a movie about a guy losing his shit and going on a rampage? I'll make a note. They'll, I'll Maybe I'll do a guy losing his shit and going on a rampage episode. Because there's a lot of movies like that, and they're fucking... A lot of those movies are super good. Fucking, fucking Falling Down... Um, yeah, if you are burnt out on watching Titane because the trailer lied to you or you don't feel like watching Halloween Kills or, you know, you're watching Squid Game and you're just like, I don't have the patience to watch this, watch Falling Down. That's, That's a nice movie to kind of break up all the stuff that's out right now. Watch a movie about a guy losing his shit in L.A. and walking through L.A. and just going on a fucking rampage. It's funny. He walks across, like, you know, all of Los Angeles in, in like, less than a day. It's hilarious. Mm, Causing destruction and mayhem. Jason Goes to Hell. Mm. That's a weird Friday the 13th movie. It's very strange. It's sort of... It's not like any of the other Friday Thirteen movies, but kind of looking back on it, um, I, I don't know. I always kind of had a soft spot for it just because it was so weird and hokey. I don't know. It, I don't know. It was something different because at that point it was like, you know, I think everything that needed to be said with the Friday Thirteenth franchise was, was said and. You know, they gave the fucking franchise over to some fucking rando, and he fucking pumped this out. And at the time, it satisfied the itch I had as a as a young fella. 93. How old was I? I was 11 years old. <laughs> God damn, growing up. Growing up. Back, in, back when I was growing up, it was great. And all these fucked up movies to watch. It was wonderful. Uh, what else came out in 93? True Romance. Holy shit. Um, I really like True Romance. Some people are fucking absolutely infatuated with that fucking movie. And um, Who's in that? Patricia Arquette? She's, she's super cute. I always had a crush on her. Um, yeah. Fucking Christian Slater being all Christian Slatery and Christopher Walken and Dennis Hopper. Fucking James Gandolfini. Uh, the Good Son. 
holy fuck, if you want to see a creepy fucking movie, especially with, like, uh, let's see, a very young, um, I guess this was, this was after Home Alone, Macaulay Culkin and a very young Elijah Wood star in The Good Son. And it's basically uh, Macaulay Culkin's a psycho uh, who tries to kill everybody. And he's like a little kid. And he, I remember he was wearing different colored, like, Nike. Fucking, he was wearing different colored Jordans. Like, the same kind, same model of Jordans, but they were, like, different colors. It was like, oh, that's representative of his duality of character because he comes off as, like, a really sweet kid, but secretly he's a fucking piece of shit murderer psychopath. <laughs> And now, like, he's in uh, American Horror Story, and he's kind of a fucking... He's actually a, a terrible actor. <laughs> I get now, like, people want to have Macaulay Culkin in their shit, but, like, he has this very... I don't know. You know how he talks? He has almost, like, this weird, drunk, effeminate way of talking where he, it's like, all right, I talk very fancy. I'm Macaulay Culkin, and I'm talking very fancy. That's how I talk, very, very whimsical and, ooh, ooh, Macaulay Culkin. Actually, uh, you know who else talks like that when they get drunk is my friend John, who uh, wrote the outro music to this very podcast. When he gets fucking drunk, he talks like Macaulay Culkin. Sorry, John, you do. <sighs> you know? And and Elijah Wood now is like, um, I don't know what, the, he's like starting his own fucking like movie company or something. Like he's producing fucking like kind of weird movies now. Good for him. Mm. Tombstone. Holy fuck. That's a fucking man movie right there. I was driving behind a fucking guy today. Um, he had a truck that would uh, give people a fucking heart attack in California, well, at least in the Bay Area. He had a big fucking truck, and on the back window, he had a giant Dallas Cowboys logo, like a big star on it. He had, uh, oh, God, he had two NRA stickers on either side of the back window, and a, oh, God, a Sig Sauer sticker. <laughs> and he had a bumper sticker from some gun store in somewhere in Texas, I I assume. And their like catchphrase for the fucking uh, gun store was in quotes on the bumper sticker real big and it says uh like I'm your Huckleberry. <laughs> that fucking truck would get fucking flags by the fucking FBI and then lit on fire in Union Square in San Francisco. But that, that guy's not driving his truck to San Francisco. Bunch of fucking... I ain't driving where a bunch of fucking liberal commies live. That's probably what he thinks. I'm going to stay here in Texas and watch the Cowboys. You know, he has a... Have a guy who has a Troy Ankman commemorative plate in a case instead of a nice, well lit case in his house. And that's cool. And he likes guns. Good for him. Toonstone is a fucking man's movie. Like that, 
Tombstone's great. Uh, if you haven't seen Tombstone and maybe you're not into like cowboy movies, just watch fucking Tombstone. Everyone in that movie is amazing. And uh, it's just people saying badass shit and then fucking shooting each other with fucking pistolas. And there's horses. It's fucking great. Just watch it. Don't ask questions. Uh, Schindler's List. Now, when I was a kid, I don't know about you listening to listening to this now. I don't know if your public school ran shit like my fucking public school in Central California in the fucking 80s and 90s. But any time that there was an excuse to just play a fucking movie in class instead of actually teaching us anything, like the teachers took advantage of that. Um, my... God, what fucking grade was I in? I don't know. It was probably like 7th or 8th grade. Yeah, something like that. I had a Jewish teacher named Miss DeYoung, and uh, she wanted us to watch Schindler's List and then do a fucking like report on it. <laughs> I think it happened again in high school, too. I think I had an English class where we fucking watched Schindler's List for some reason. Then we had to do a fucking report on it. I don't know. I mean, it's a spectacular movie, and it's it's in a better it's about a very tragic subject matter. But uh, if like you only know Liam Neeson from fucking the Star Wars prequels and fucking the Taken movies, like you know, go watch Schindler's List <laughs> to kind of see him at his best. You know. Uh oh my god the next movie oh my god this is like big time favorite of mine uh in the line of fire I don't know if I brought that up on this podcast or not in the line of fire stars Clint Eastwood Dylan McDermott as we know uh former uh former fiance of Julia Roberts and um John Malkovich and Renee Russo and uh, uh, and Lumberg from Office Space. <laughs> also, he's also is like he's basically the same character. He's basically like he's Lumberg from Office Space, except he's like a uh, he's like one of the heads of the Secret Service in this movie. And basically, the entire movie is about a aging Secret Service um, agent who was present. He was the last agent who's still active on duty for the secret service who was, uh, there on the day that president John F. Kennedy was assassinated and he's still working, you know, running alongside the presidential limo in a motorcade and, you know, doing that whole fucking thing, talking into the microphone on his wrist, like that whole fucking thing. And, um, he gets contacted, um, on the phone by John Malkovich and John Malkovich is basically like, um, I'm a big fan of yours. You know, you were the, you're the only active agent who ever lost a president, you know, and, uh, I'm a big fan of yours. And, uh, I am, um, uh, John Malkovich, uh, explains to Clint Eastwood that he's planning on, um, uh, making a assassination attempt, on the on the president of the United States, and um, 
the president the president in the movies like not, he's barely in it like like he's just sort of a throwaway character they just, they're like we need a we need a white guy with gray hair in a suit and he will be the generic president so um the whole movie is just about like Clint Eastwood's character and fucking John Malkovich and they're 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 playing this fucking game where John Malkovich is like like I'm telling you that I'm going to fucking, you know, go to any lengths to fucking make this assassination possible and you need to stop me. Like I choose you to be my fucking my opponent sort of thing and Clint Eastwood's all fucking old and shit. He's like, "Oh, Jesus Christ, I don't need this." And um it goes through the process of um like you see Clint Eastwood trying to figure out who the fuck John Malkovich is, his character and stuff like that. Like, and at the same time, uh, John Malkovich, you kind of see him off what he's doing. And here's the thing is like his assassination attempt is totally plausible. Like there's no weird 007, like uh, elaborate weirdness going on it's like very grounded in reality like um basically john malkovich um what is he he basically the the story goes is he was uh, an assassin for the government and he had a fucking axe to grind because you know he was um he was sent on all these kill missions and shit and doing all this black op shit for the fucking government and then uh, at one point somebody from the, one of his superiors sent one of his fellow assassin friends like to go kill him. But the guy failed and John Malkovich fucking ended up killing that guy and then went into hiding for decades. He just poof, vanished. And, um, you know, he's bitter and he wants to take it out on the government. So his whole thing is like, I'm going to fucking, I'm going to try to fucking kill the president. And, um, John Malkovich is fucking awesome in it, but his whole plan is insane. Like his plan is basically like he creates a fake identity and it creates a, like a fake shell company, like a fake company that he's the CEO of and the president of. And that company contributed a bunch of money to the current president's reelection campaign. And, because he contributed, you know, he was like a donor, he was going to, he gets invited to this sort of like presidential donors dinner, okay? So, you know, he's, he he has like, he puts on a fucking like disguise, like a rubber nose and a wig and shit, even though it he, he just looks like, his disguise is like, I'm John Malkovich. Like, it, he doesn't look much different, really. Um, but he basically... He's because he basically used the system to get his way close to this presidential dinner where he actually gets to meet the president. Um, he's like, that's, that's where he's like, that's my, that's my opportunity to, you know, kill the guy. And fuck, it's like, he, like throughout the movie, he's like, he's like constructing things and you see him fucking like, you know, there's you know, there's not a lot of dialogue. You just kind of see him like making fucking, uh, you know, fake fucking like business letterheads and shit like that. And um, but you see him making a plastic gun. 
this is before like 3D printers. He like molded a composite plastic uh, gun that comes apart in pieces. Okay, so at the when he goes up to the presidential dinner, and there's like a fucking hundred people there. There's tons of people there. Like he knew that he was gonna have to walk through a metal detector to get into the dinner. So he's wearing a tuxedo and he has a cummerbund on. And the, the, the gun itself is broken into like three or four pieces and it's tucked into his cummerbund. And since it's plastic, it's not going to fucking beep when he goes through the metal detector. Okay. So that's taken care of. Now, the other moving parts in the gun are the springs and the ammunition. The springs for the gun, he hid. It's basically like a two barrel, like handgun. It has two barrels and it only has two shots in it. So the spring for it was hidden inside of a uh, pen, like a very fancy, rich guy, clicky pen. Okay. So when he goes through the metal detector, he has his keys, he has a pen, and the bullet, the, the actual ammunition, he hides inside of a keychain of a lucky rabbit's foot that's on his keychain. So the lucky rabbit's foot unscrews. And then there's two bullets in it. So <clears throat> his plan, and they show this in the movie where he's like practicing this in his garage. He's like, um, the scene gets to the fucking presidential dinner where he's sitting there at the table and he has his tux on and he's sitting there talking with other people during the dinner. And the camera just shows him like talking with this like lady next to him who's like in a ball gown. She's just some random lady. And the camera sort of pans down below the table and you can see him like his hands are under the table and he's assembling this fucking gun like in his lap, like under the, like underneath the tablecloth. And you, you know, he knows how to do this cause he's been practicing it through the whole fucking movie. So he's sitting there just fucking putting the fucking gun together and loading it and everything like that. And, and he's just waiting for the moment where the president shows up and goes table to table and da 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 and he's fucking you know there's pictures being taken and he's shaking everybody's hand and he's like that's my window to fucking take this dude down and Clint Eastwood it's like a race against time he needs to fucking find out who the killer is he needs to find out where he is and he needs to make it to that dinner to stop John Malkovich from fucking um fucking killing the president it's Fucking great movie. It's fucking awesome. I watched that a goddamn million times. I saw that in theaters with my stepdad. Because he loved fucking Clint Eastwood. And he's like, you want to go see fucking this Clint Eastwood movie? <laughs> Where he fucking, he fucking kills John Malkovich and fucks Rene Russo. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. So we go over to fucking the movies and watch In the Line of Fire. And then we go to Little Caesars and get a fucking... Bacon and cheese pizza. That's that was that was my fucking stepdad's pizza. You go to Little Caesar and he'd be like, "I want a pizza that's just bacon, cheese, and sauce. That's it." That's a fucking. That's a good day right there. What else happened in the year of the year of our Lord nineteen ninety three? What's eating Gilbert Grape? That's a good movie. You got fucking uh, Leonardo DiCaprio playing, um, let's see, he plays Arnie, and he's, I don't know what, all the movies where people are mentally handicapped, I don't, I can't, 
I don't remember at in what degree they all are. Like that's kind of cloudy in my mind. I don't know if he's like if Leonardo DiCaprio is like full retarded or if he's sort of like on the spectrum. You know what I mean? I know that like people don't like the retarded word, but you know, but but you know what I mean when I say that. Okay, it's shorthand because you know there was Rain Man, there was. And what other movies were there? It was like I Am Sam. There was fucking this movie. I don't know. There was a few movies like that where there's like I meant to, there was fucking Life Goes On the TV show. There was there was a lot of mentally handicapped people getting work back in the day. That's that's what I'm saying. And uh, yeah, what's eating Gilbert Grape? That's a fucking good movie. It's sad. It's a it's a sad family movie, but it's fucking well done. And if you haven't if you haven't seen a movie about fucking Johnny Depp just being depressed and mopey, watch that movie. <laughs> um, and Juliet Lewis is in it. Juliet Lewis was quite fetching in the nineties. She's quite fetching now, right? Um, let's see. Fucking Groundhog's Day. There's some fucking comedies in 1993. Groundhog Day is fucking great. Bill fucking Murray. Like, I live in Austin, and there's all kinds of weird fucking Bill Bill Murray stories here. Like, you go somewhere, and they're like, oh, yeah, I was at a bar, and Bill Murray just showed up and fucking started just bartending. Or, like, oh, I worked at this restaurant, and Bill Murray showed up and just started doing dishes. You know, um, what the fuck? Actually, some kind of older dude came in the other day um, at my actual day job. And I don't know how it came up. And he's like, yeah, uh, actually, no, we were we started talking about like scary movies and it's October, and, you know, and he was like, oh, yeah, you know, I watched that uh, Zombieland. And I was like, yeah, I remember Zombieland. He's like, yeah, I like that movie. I like Woody Harrelson and Bill Murray's in that. I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot he was in it. And he plays himself, right? He's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, "Um, I met Bill Murray once. He was at a bar like in Austin. And he, okay, so him, the guy I was talking to, was in a men's room at a bar. And... <laughs> the guy who was in the urinal next to him was just standing there taking a piss, minding his own business. In walks in Bill Murray, walks up behind the guy, covers the guy's eyes with his hands, and then whispers in the guy's ear, he's like, Do you recognize my voice? And the guy is like, no, who the fuck are you? You know, the guy shakes it, fucking puts his dicks away, and turns around, it's fucking Bill Murray. <laughs> and then I guess Bill, and then afterwards, fucking after that awkwardness, Bill Murray just like hung out at the bar and drank with everybody. And, I don't know. Took pictures and shit. Fucking Bill Murray. Mm, I don't know about that guy. Everyone seems to love him. and. Uh, 
what else, what else is more exciting? Groundhog Day was cute and everything. But uh, let's see. I want to see. I want to see explosions and things. There we go. Cliffhanger. Fucking cliffhanger with uh, Sylvester Stallone. And I don't know who the lady in the movie is, but she was like, had really short hair and was really cute. That was another like childhood crush, 1993. I'm like, I don't know who the short hair lady from Cliffhanger is, but she's like, she's my type, my ni- my 1993 type, my 11 year old type. I keep like, I have this like log in my brain of like women I found attractive as a child. It's weird. Um. Cliffhanger. Okay, so Michael Rooker, who we all know from uh, his depiction of uh, uh, Henry Lee Lucas and uh, Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer, which which does appear on this list later on. Um, there's a scene in Cliffhanger that I want you to fucking keep an eye out for. Okay, it's in the beginning, so you can just watch the beginning and then just turn it off. After you've seen what I'm about to tell you. Okay. So the beginning of the movie, uh, Sylvester Stallone, Michael Rooker, uh, is, and, and Michael Rooker's wife or girlfriend, they are mountain climbing and they need to, um, set up a, like a, like a, like a wire, like a, like a rope going from one cliff, this like cliff to another, a cliff. Okay. And in the middle is just like, fucking 2,000 feet of just air and then rock at the bottom. So they need to get from one cliff to the next, and they have to do it by crawling across using their fucking rope climbing equipment to get from one side to the other. So fucking one person goes over, and then, like, Michael Rooker's girlfriend goes across, and then there's an equipment malfunction where the harness that's holding her to the rope... um, like a like a buckle comes undone and breaks, and she is now hanging on this rope, and her harness is like coming apart. So she's just holding on, and you know they're like, "Oh fuck, we need to fucking save her." So fucking Stallone is the closest to get onto the rope, like crawl, like climb out to the fucking where she is and save her. So he fucking gets on the rope. He fucking crawls out there. He's like, give me your fucking hand. You're going to fall. Give me your fucking hand. And she, like, her fucking harness finally comes loose. And she's about to fall. And he catches her by his hand, like, by the hand. And he's holding on to her. And he's like, don't let go. You're going to fucking fall and die. And basically, she loses grip. And she falls. Plunges to her death. It's very tragic. You know, it's, this is how we set up the beginning of the movie. But... What I want you to look for is it's this very dramatic moment where fucking Stallone is all fucking jacked on fucking human growth hormone. His fucking muscles and veins are popping out and he's holding this fucking woman by the hand who's like, please don't let me go. I don't want to fucking die. And the second she slips out of his hand and starts to fall, Michael Rooker's on the other cliff, right? And and that's his girlfriend. As soon as she falls, he's like, no! No, my fucking... <laughs> so, look for that moment. The second she falls, 
She loses Sylvester Stallone's grip and she starts to fall and it cuts to Michael Rooker and he yells no. There's uh, there's another character, this like old guy who's like the helicopter pilot. He's like one of their co-workers, whatever. But he's standing behind Michael Rooker and you can see him. He's very clearly visible in the frame. As soon as he's like, no! He's behind him laughing hysterically. And it's like, I don't know if that's the only take they took, but they were like, we're just going to have to use this in the movie. Like, I know it seems weird that this character is like laughing hysterically that this woman fell to her death, but we're, it's staying in. We don't have a choice. Look for that. Next time you watch cliffhanger, it's in the beginning of the movie. It's very strange. What else came out in 93? And there was uh, the fugitive fucking Harrison Ford was fucking crushing everything in the fucking nineties. And the future, the fugitive is, um, is one of those fucking movies. Last time I watched it, it was, I don't know, 2018, 2019. I was on a flight back from New York and, uh, I was like, fuck, I want to watch a movie. And I watched the fugitive and fucking movie holds up. It's a good movie. It's a good, like, mystery thriller, a lot of action, a lot of Tommy Lee Jones being all Tommy Lee Jonesy and shit. You know, it's about redemption, revenge. Uh, the Sandlot, you know, an annoyingly fucking quotable movie that is, uh, you know, it's a fun fucking movie about kids who bond over baseball and it's, you know, Sandlot's fine you know i'd show that to you know like kids want to watch a kid movie like watch the sandlot even though i think they say fuck and shit in the movie it's fine conan's movie i like the conan's movie you know it's just one of the it's one of those like movies in that fucking 90s era where all those like saturday night live people and were in it and I don't know. I like it. I think it's funny. I think it's weird. Coneheads. It's fucking weird. Undoubtedly a fucking Dan Aykroyd fucking creation. You know, Dan Aykroyd created the Ghostbusters. Like, he invented that shit. Like, he came up with that. Um, the movie Ghostbusters was very much different than his original creation. His, You know, but... uh Here's a fun fact. Because we like fun facts, don't we? Nobody likes facts. Facts are depressing. Um, Dan Aykroyd and uh, his brother Peter are, uh, they were, if I'm not mistaken, in the uh, early 90s, I think both of them went to my Uncle Chris's wedding. Because my Uncle Chris is a paranormal investigator. Even to this day. Which I was not, well, not unaware that he was still doing. Um, he uh, is basically a fucking ghost hunter guy. You know? He's like a Zach Baggins dude. Except he's you know not a multi-millionaire fucking selling bullshit. <laughs> um. But, I mean, yeah, my Uncle Chris, he was on two episodes of the OG uh, uh, Unsolved Mysteries. 
with Robert Stack. Rest in peace. Robert Stack. You know the original host of fucking Unsolved Mysteries was Raymond Burr? Fucking Ironsides? That's weird. And then they... It was basically the exact same show with the music and everything, except it was Raymond Burr in a fucking raincoat in a field. And then they were like, we need someone who has a cooler voice, looks good in a trench coat, standing on a wet street in a foggy alley. Let's get Robert Stack from Airplane. It's a good choice. And if you haven't seen the uh, new Unsolved Mysteries that's on Netflix, it's not half bad. It, you know, it's pretty good. They don't have a host. They honor Robert Stack by not just replacing him with some fucking, like, I don't know. Who would be really annoying? Fucking the guy from Sugar Ray as the host or, I don't know. Like don't don't you can't replace Robert Stack and and the new Unsolved Mysteries fucking did it right. They were just like, okay, we don't have a fucking host. We have intro music and then we just go right into the fucking stories and that's it. So, anyways, um, yeah. So my uncle Chris, uh, fucking a real life Ghostbuster. What a trip. Um, let's see. There was uh, Ninja Scroll. You know, at a time where brutal anime was being made, hand-drawn, hyper-violent anime, Ninja Scroll. You know, in that era of... um, I should do a fucking violent-as-fuck anime episode. Because there was a bunch of them. There was, uh, you know, Fist of the North Star, Violence Jack... Uh, Mad Bull 34. That shit's weird. You know, it's it's like... <laughs> it's like a weird cop drama, but there's like all this... There's like all this fucking going on. And vi- it's violence and stuff, but it's still cartoonish. It's not like... Hentai, you know, where it's like supposed to be real. It's, you know... Uh, that was the era for all that shit, you know, Vampire Hunter D and shit like that. Um, let's see, what else? There was uh, Body Melt, um, Maniac Cop Three. Eh, Maniac Cop Three was fine, you know. Maniac Cop One and Two. That's my shit. Rest in peace, Robert Zadar. Fucking good times. And I actually have a sick Maniac Cop shirt from uh, from our good friends at Paul Bearer Press here in Austin, Texas. Fuck yeah. What else? Oh my god, we even have fucking... We have documentaries as well in 1993. Um, we have uh, Hated Gigi Allen and the Murder Junkies, which of course I mentioned... Uh, is in episode five um, of this podcast. I talk about Gigi Allen documentaries and whatnot. Um, there was Deadfall. You know, we started getting into Nicolas Cage territory. A lot of Nicolas Cage in the 90s. So <clears throat> Deadfall is sort of the... Um, it's one of those movies that's like not terrible, but it's not that great either. 
I don't know. It has a, it, it's very 90s, like, crime, L.A., fucking weird, you know, that sort of, like, I don't know. Well, Lost Highway was kind of like that, and, um, oh, God, what the fuck was that movie? It had Nicolas Cage in it. Nicolas Cage and David Caruso. I'm blanking on the name of it, but it's, you know, it's kind of like one of those movies. It's like, you know, you're dealing with, like, gang mob guys, but they're all white. And, you know, Nicolas Cage is fucking really weird in the movie. If you just want to see a movie where Nicolas Cage is being really fucking weird, um, yeah, check out Deadfall. What else? Uh, we had uh, Body Snatchers, the uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers uh, remake. I guess it's the third remake, really, um, from uh, Abel Ferrara. Fucking fantastic. Abel Ferrara, who, you know, director of Driller Killer, Miss 45, uh, Bad Lieutenant, which is a... I'm a big fan of Bad Lieutenant. Yeah. Also, whoever the main actress was in fucking... That was another one of my fucking, like, 1993 crushes. Yes, Body Snatchers starring Gabrielle Anwar. Fuck, I had such a crush on her. Um, Yeah, it's basically, you know, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, but it's, uh, you know, from a Abel Ferrara point of view. And, it's, and it, you know, there's actually quite a bit of body horror in that movie, which is, you know, not necessarily a, it's not really a Abel Ferrara thing, but I don't know. I like body snatchers. Because mm, this is already a pretty good mix. You know, you have sort of like crime dramas, you have fucking westerns, you have comedies, and you act, a lot of action. It's a pretty nineteen ninety three was actually pretty fucking solid. Um, what else? We had Cannibal the Musical. Uh, Cannibal the Musical was made by the South Park guys, uh, Trey Parker, Matt Stone, and it's this black and white, like covered wagon times, <laughs> fucking movie um, about some people who get stranded out in the middle of nowhere and they have to resort to cannibalism and it's a musical. So if you haven't seen Cannibal the Musical, please go check it out. If you need to see something funny, you know, if you've been watching like depressing shit for all of the pandemic and you want to watch something silly and fun, um, remember fun? I don't feel like anyone really has fun anymore. Everyone has sort of this like, like this caricature of fun. You know what I mean? Like when, like I go to a bar in Austin and I see people playing cornhole. Have you ever seen anybody play cornhole? I don't like cornhole. I don't like people playing it. I don't like watching people playing it. And like, I don't feel like anyone can truly have a good time playing cornhole. Like, I could see someone having a good time playing, like, those giant Jenga sets. It's like a Jenga set, except it's, like, ten times bigger. It's like, I could see someone having fun with that. But cornhole is just, it's, it's, 
It's like horseshoes for pussies. Okay? There is a... My fucking apartment complex has a goddamn cornhole... I don't even know what you would call it. Cornhole tables? Cornhole... Whatever they are. Like, over by the pool and grill area. I'll throw those things in the fucking dumpster. It's like, I hate cornhole. If you're listening to this and you like cornhole, you're wrong. You are wrong. You should be ashamed of yourself. Play horseshoes. Okay, I grew up with like... I grew up with like uh, Portuguese and Mexican men, you know, who saw combat in Korea. Okay, that barbecued every weekend of their lives, you know, and they played horseshoes. That's what you do. Cornhole. I I don't I I don't I don't even know why I hate it so much. I just I just when I see it, it's gross. And insulting. Don't play cornhole. Do anything else. <laughs> what else? Oh my goodness. Um, we have hard target. If you want to see fucking uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme with a mullet playing a Cajun. Uh, and Wolford Brimley uh, shooting shooting people with a bow and arrow on horseback with a bad Cajun accent. Uh, watch Hard Target. It's great. I enjoy it. I saw, also saw that in theaters. Um, who else is it? I think fucking Lance Henriksen is also the bad guy. And I fucking Lance Henriksen was like, that motherfucker never played a good guy, except maybe in Pumpkinhead and, uh, well, an alien. <laughs> Those are two pretty good franchises to be a good guy. But he's really good at playing a fucking bad guy. He just looks like a grizzled fucking psycho. And, um, yeah, hard target. What else? Philadelphia? With Tom Hanks and Denzel Washington? Denzel Washington uh, playing a lawyer who represents Tom Hanks with AIDS? Suing Jason Robards for discriminating against Tom Hanks for having the AIDS? That's a that's a that's a good movie. Tom Hanks's boyfriend is uh, Antonio Banderas. I remember that. I remember that Antonio Banderas didn't have like good hair in that movie. He, his hair looked fucking goofy. That's all I remember about his character. Um, the program. I don't. That's another one of those things. It's one of those rose-colored glasses things. I'm like like the program. Program is about a college football team and all the drama. This is in an era where there was movies about football teams. There was, uh, what was it? Well, there was the program. There was, um, what was it? Necessary Roughness. There was, uh, you know, there was like Blue Chips. There was a, there was a bunch of like college sports. And I don't, I don't know. In my in my mind, I remember liking the fucking program because there was like like James Caan was in it, the dude who's uh, <laughs> the guy from. I never remember this guy's name. All I know is he was the dude with the bandana on his head from fucking A Fire in the Sky. He was in one of the Hellraiser movies. He was like in five or six. 
Lance Hendrickson was also in a fucking Hellraiser. Lance Hendrickson did everything in the 90s. He was in Hell World, Hellraiser. Watch that movie. It's way better than, you know, Hellraiser 4 Bloodline. Um, well, else? the fucking... But everyone remembers Latimer. He was he was the giant, jacked, bench-pressing skinhead in fucking uh, Higher Learning. Um, he was also in... Uh, he was... He was Christopher Walker's Walken's son in uh, in Batman Returns, but he, he didn't show off his physicality at all. You know, he was like he had like a wig on and fucking was wearing a suit to the whole time, but he was fucking jacked. But he, just, it, I don't know, that was weird casting. Fucking Christopher Walken's like, here's my son. He he looks like Vince McMahon. You know, just a jacked guy in a suit, um, being fucking. Pistol whipped by fucking Danny DeVito. I don't know. I don't know. That was weird casting. Anyways, the program is about uh, like all of the hangups and problems of fucking college football players: alcoholism, steroids, violence, sexual fucking uh, you know, uh, sexual assault. You know, one of those type of movies. Um, but I put it on the list. Because uh, I remember it being really good. I don't. I don't know if it's actually as good as I remember. Okay. These, you know, this, this list isn't fucking infallible. Okay, it's going off of mostly memory, and I, you know, and I've seen all these fucking movies, so it's amazing I can fucking remember anything at all. Let's see, beyond the, uh, let's see, beyond the law. Why did I put this on the list at all? Why did I do that? Oh. I put Beyond the Law on the list because I have... Because uh, I confused it with Above the Law. <laughs> and Above the Law was in the 80s. Beyond the Law is like one of... It's like when... Uh, Steven Seagal really started flying off the fucking, uh, flying off the rails and doing movies. Um, who the fuck was in Beyond the Law? It was like DMX and Steven Seagal. Don't, I'm not going to recommend this movie. Okay, forget I even put it on the fucking list because uh, I have not vetted it for quality because I confused it with Above the Law from the 80s. So um, if you want to watch Above the Law, Watch that Steven Seagal movie if you want to watch a Steven Seagal movie at all because I understand if you don't want to because you think you're somehow better than all the Steven Seagal movies. And you're probably not. And if you think you are, you may just be incredibly arrogant. Have you thought about that? I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyways, um, let's wrap up 1993. We have Return of the Living Dead Part 3. Uh, you may remember it as the movie that had uh, a zombie girl with glass sticking out of her face, looking very evil on the uh, box cover. You know? Um, yeah. I don't know. There's most... I'll watch most zombie movies. So, people may not be a fan of Return of the Living Dead Part 3. People may not be a fan of Return of the Living Dead Part 2, which I get especially since how good the original Return of the Living Dead was. Like, when you watch 2, you're just like, what the fuck? What is this? This is not even, this is not even remotely 
the same. Like, why did they even, why did they even just fucking call it a different name? I'll tell you why, because they make more money calling it Return of the Living Dead Part 2. That's why. But I, re- I put Return of the Living Dead Part 3 on the list anyway. So, you know, if you watch it and it sucks, uh, you know, you can blame it on me. It's fine. I can take the heat. Uh, 1993 also brought us Richard Linkletter's Dazed and Confused shot right here in Texas. Uh, you know, the, what, what was it? Uh, of course, Matthew fucking McConaughey lives here. And, um, yeah, that, you know, you know, there's that scene where, um, you know, fucking party at the moon tower. That scene when all the nerd kids are hanging out in the car and fucking McConaughey and his homies pull up next to him at the like burger place. And, uh, he's like, Hey, what's up guys? There's a fucking party at the moon tower. And they're like, Oh yeah, sure. We'll totally go there. He's like, all right, see you there. Anyways, the, that fucking, the, that place, that burger place that the, that scene is at is, um, called top notch. And it still exists to this day. So if you're in Austin and you want to be fucking weird, you can go over to fucking Top Notch and take a picture. Looks exactly the same. They haven't changed a fucking thing there. It's all dilapidated. And the food is, you know, kind of greasy and whatever. It's very middle of the road. But, you know, when you go there, you feel nostalgic. You know, go there and take a photo. But maybe buy a hat. I don't know. But uh, I'd really recommend if you're in Austin, go to a place called Dan's. Dan's Hamburger. Okay, there's a there's a few of them sprinkled around, but they're damn fine burger. And as a as a uh, Californian, like there's actually a lot of In and Out burgers in Austin as well. Like there's a bunch of them, and I would say Dan's Hamburger might have. In and out burger beat. Like it's a fucking really good burger. Yeah. So if you're ever in Austin, go check out Dan's. I should get Dan's to be a sponsor of the show. Hey, next time I go there, I'll fucking like let me talk to your manager. I know there's like fifty people in line behind me, but I'm I have a podcast and I need a sponsor and I want Dan's hamburger to sponsor the show. Anyway, uh, what else came out in 93? Oh, a little obscure movie called Jurassic Park came out as well. Um, Jurassic Park, what's good about Jurassic Park? Laura Dern is in it, making like gawking open mouth faces at invisible dinosaurs. Sam Neill, who, I mean... Who doesn't love Sam Neill? Who doesn't love The Possessed? Who doesn't love In the Mouth of Madness? You know, uh, you know, and Sam Neill playing uh, Doctor Doctor Paleontologist. I don't know his name in Jurassic Park. I've seen all Jurassic Parks. I don't remember his name. I know he's in him. You know, I find you know what the one thing about Jurassic Park. It, I don't know if. I, I've never read a Michael Crichton book. I know he wrote the movie and everything. He wrote the book. And um, I don't know if the kids, you know, the grandchildren of the, uh, what was it, John Hammond? Is that his name? The old guy with the 
mosquito encased in amber on a cane, that guy on a pink, on a fucking pimp cane. Um, I don't know if John Hammond's fucking, if that's not his name, fucking, I don't know. Okay. That's, as, that's, that's as good as I remember it. It, um, like his grandchildren, I don't know if they're in the book. I don't know if they just like threw children into the fucking movie just because, or if they're actually in the book, but I feel like all of Jurassic Park could have done without the children. Cause I know there's this whole thing where like Sam Neill is like so into being a fucking digging dinosaur bones out of the earth fucking guy and giving tours. That's weird. It's like giving a tour in the beginning of the fucking movie. Anyways, at an archaeological site. Like, you don't want the public there. It's like, get the fuck out of here. We're dealing with sensitive fossils here. We don't want people wandering around touching shit. Anyways, there's this whole thing where, like, him and Laura Dern talk about having children, and he's like, I don't like kids. Kids smell like shit, and I hate them. I'm paraphrasing. But, he, you know, but it's sort of this thing where these two kids are on this adventure with them, you know, in this dinosaur park, you know, trying not to get fucking killed. And he sort of grows an attachment to these two kids. And I'm just like, even as a child, I was like, do we need that? Does that need to be in the fucking movie? I don't know. I was, even as a child, I was very particular about children in movies. I just found them annoying. I, I mean, as an adult, I find most adults annoying, but I think as a child that, you know, that's where that all started. You know, it's like at the, I'm like, dude, dude, these kids need to be in fucking Jurassic Park. Can't they just get killed off immediately? Like, how do you understand the ferocity and the danger that these people are in? Like, if you want the the audience to understand how dangerous these fucking dinosaurs are, have them just fucking kill both the kids, like, immediately. You're like, oh, shit, this is not good. And I've heard by somebody who actually reads, a buddy of mine who actually reads books, and... um I believe he told me, uh, you know, the fucking, uh, I don't know, what is he, Australian? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say he's Australian. You know, the guy who's like, you know, the clever girl, that guy. The guy who explains, like, how raptors hunt, you know what I mean? Like, they'll have one raptor that'll stand in front of you just to kind of, and just fuck with you. But what you don't see is the raptors that come in alongside. They come alongside you and they fucking ambush you. Um... Yeah, that guy, I was I was told, and I don't know how well I was paying attention when I was told this, but, like, in the book, like, he's sort of, like, the star. He, he's, like, the hero of the book. And he's, like, he just fucking gets whacked immediately, you know, in the, in the movie. It's, like, that, like they could have swapped out that guy getting killed for the kids. Like they could have demonstrated how the raptors, how they hunt, how they intelligently hunt in, in a group and whatever. And it's like, who is easier to trick than some tiny slow moving kids who are screaming and scared. I don't know. That's just me. Also Jurassic park. I saw way after the fact, like I, I didn't see it in theaters. Um, I didn't see it on fucking video. I fucking saw that shit like on TV. So back in those days, there was no like, oh, 
you know, Jurassic Park is in theaters and it's immediately streaming at home on the same day. It is it is available at home the day of release at the theaters. There was none of that fucking shit. You had like the fucking movies shown in fucking theaters for like a couple of months until it just run out of, ran out of steam and then they would show it at a discount. And then eventually it would end up in fucking video stores. And if it was popular, you'd get to fucking Blockbuster and they'd have 50 copies of Jurassic Park. All of them are rented out. So you have to wait. Maybe a day, maybe two days. And then eventually you'd fucking get there and there'd be you'd get a copy of fucking Jurassic Park. And then you'd say, like, I didn't even... I went beyond that. I It was like on HBO or some shit. I think I saw it on cable. I don't even think I saw it like... I saw like an edited for TV with commercials in the media in the middle. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. It's kind of a cool movie. Dinosaurs look cool. Dinosaurs hold up. Fucking dra- the visually Jurassic Park holds up, but you know, I don't know about them fucking kids though. Um, what else came out? Fucking Wayne's World two. <laughs> you know. Penelope Spheres. You know, she did the, the Decline of Western Civilization 1, Decline of Western Civilization Part 2, The Metal Years, which I recommend. If you if you if you are watching any horror movies and you get and you watch like a like a heavy metal horror movie or you know, um you know, uh Trick or Treat, not Trick or Treat, Trick or Treat, if you watch fucking uh, Black Roses Dungeon Master. <laughs> uh, you know, like... Watch The Decline of Western Civilization Part 2, The Metal Years. It's fucking hilarious. It's it's good with a group, too. Especially, no matter how old you are. Like, if you're old enough to remember all the fucking bands that are in it, like, you kind of feel nostalgic and slightly embarrassed of how weird and fucking self-destructive <laughs> that period of time was. Um, there's a scene where Ozzy Osbourne is making breakfast and it fucking, I'm fucking rolling every time that scene comes up. It's fucking hilarious. Everyone always point, points out the uh, Chris Holmes from Wasp floating in a fucking pool drinking vodka with his mom scene and shit. And that scene's cool too, but the fucking Ozzy Osbourne making breakfast scene is fucking fantastic. It's like Ozzy in the 80s. He's got fucking big 80s hair. He still has like eyeliner on. He's wearing like a silk, like leopard print fucking robe, like naked underneath. And he's making like bacon and eggs. And the fucking, like he cooks the bacon for like five seconds on each side and then just throws it on a plate, just raw and gray and sweaty and then um he pours himself a glass of orange juice and the way like (laughs) he pours a glass of orange juice but instead of just like like when you pour a glass of orange juice you put the glass down and then you would take the bottle of orange juice and you would hover the bottle over the glass and then you would fill the glass with orange juice to your desired amount okay i think most people understand how to fill up a glass with liquid 
Ozzy puts has a glass on the table, and he's he's sitting there talking to the camera the whole time. He's being interviewed, and he's talking about how fucking you know he got kicked out of Black Sabbath, and, and he was a fucking alcoholic drug addict, and everyone in Black Sabbath was a fucking alcoholic drug addict, and he pours the orange juice like two feet above the fucking glass, and then the and you see the juice hit like the glass, and then most of it just fucking spills all over the table, and he doesn't. You know, he doesn't break cadence at all. He's just sitting there talking. He just dumps fucking orange juice all over the table. And the way it's shot, though, is weird because it like you see him unscrew the cap and he goes to port. And then there's like there's like a cutaway, like it cuts to like a separate shot of like a close up of the glass. And you just see the fucking orange juice get everywhere. And I would like to know if they filmed that separately or if that if Ozzy actually did that. I don't know. Maybe I'll go watch the commentary. I'm sure there's a commentary track on that. But yeah, The Decline of Western Civilization Part 2. Wonderful fucking, wonderful documentary. You'll, there's, you'll laugh, you'll cry, and you'll wish you don't live in the fucking 80s. Anyhow. Well. We have covered 10 through 6 so far. Again, number 10, 1996. Number 9 was 1997. Number 8 was 1998. Number 7 was 1991. And number 6, 1993. So I'm going to cut it off right here. And we will pick this up in episode 9. We will cover 5 to 1. The top 5 best years for movies in the decade of the 90s. Thank you for listening this long. This ran quite a long time. <laughs> Anyways, um, I will be back in a couple of days and we'll finish up this list. Um, this is Skeleton Factory Podcast. And I am Adam. And uh, I will catch you all next time. See ya.